0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover movies, games, hardware, travel, pop culture, television, entertainment, and so much more. You can also catch us online, uh, uh, excuse me, on the air at uh, BJ Shay's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We have uh, weekly segments that we do. Uh, Gang's down in Vegas for something right now, so we're taking a little bit of a break this week, but we'll be right back at it. Simulcast on our page, Odyssey, and wherever you listen to various shows. Um, let's see what else. We have Skewed and Reviewed the magazine. We're working on the new issue and we'll have that out at the end of the month. And then, of course, you can catch us at various outlets from everywhere, from Sci-Fi Radio, to uh, some of our past reviews for several years are archived over at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed. And usually we have Michael with us, and Michael is tied up. We've had a very crazy schedule. I literally just got back from California about two hours ago, was able to watch the most recent episode of Picard, and up here doing this. So it's Justin and I tonight, and we have a more, uh, little more quick-hitting show. We'll be back with our more normal one next week. Uh, but it's also going to be a crazy week because literally one week from tonight not just back from California I am right back off again to WonderCon because we have some interviews and some coverage already set up some really good stuff and um, I'm also going to be doing a panel on the future of the Indiana Jones franchise with Michael and uh, some other people Saturday night but I am the, the one leading it so I have to get together all the final touches on that So, before we get going, uh, and also, obviously, we have staff at PAX East as well next weekend, so crazy time. I wanted to talk about a new film that is coming out uh, tomorrow. As you hear this, it'll be Friday. Uh, So, today on Hulu, and this is a new film from 20th Century Studio. And it's quite interesting. It's about the Boston Strangler, and hence it's called Boston Strangler. So, um, very, very interesting, the... uh, uh, Matt Ruskin, who is behind Crown Heights, uh, writes and directs it. And if those of you that are not aware, um, well, I'll, I'll give you a little more before I go into this, Kira Knightley uh, is in it, and Carrie Coon, uh, as stars in it. And the interesting thing about it is it was a crime spree in Boston set in the 1960s about a person who uh, terrorized and strangled women. Now, what is very interesting about the film is that in addition to showing what happened and such, they talk about the alleged indifference that many in power at the time had because the victims were single women. And it took a couple of female reporters to really crack the case to start getting attention on it to the point where the police um, paid attention to it. And it was also a very interesting look at the politics at the time and that, well, you can't take women journalists seriously. They don't cover this kind of stuff. They cover, you know, light, fluffy, home-based pieces. And it was a very fascinating story about the two women dealing with prejudice and the sexism of their time, as well as the violence of the um, situation and the politics that led to it. Now, it's not one of these graphically violent films, but it is definitely – a film for mature audiences and that sort of thing. And so if you are interested, I found it to be a really good study. It was very well filmed. It has a fantastic uh, lead cast, a very good um, supporting cast. It's actually produced by Ridley Scott, and um, it will be on Hulu tomorrow, so you definitely want to check this out. And this is also, in keeping with some of our past storylines, this does follow up with their... Plan to be uh, Disney's plan to be releasing a certain number of what would normally be Fox theatrical films on Hulu. So, uh, hopefully, that'll continue. We've already seen that with Prey, we're going to see that with the upcoming Alien film that is in the works right now. So, lots of good stuff there. The next thing I wanted to talk about before we get Justin's opinion is the first day of our trip over to California. Uh, we went to go cover the Berry Festival at Knott's Berry Farm. There were heavy, heavy rains in California that hit, and it rained out the first day of the festival. We managed to drag ourselves over a little bit. Um, the next day, not sure the park would even be open at all. We actually had to pick up some uh, festival t-shirts that we had ordered and stuff, and we got over there. Park was fairly empty. Not everything was up and running yet, but we had a great time just go walking around the um, very spacious uh, park. We got to go on a couple of attractions, got to go on the train, Uh, didn't get a chance to start uh, enjoying a lot of the Berry Fest foods, but we'll try that later in the month when we go back. But uh, our first stop was at SeaWorld, and we got to do a hard hat tour of the pending Arctic Rescue roller coaster. Now, this is really interesting. We've talked in the past about SeaWorld doing a transition away from certain animal exhibits being a focus to also having a bunch of coasters this is billed as the sixth coaster at the park and what is very interesting is that the wild arctic area is a very fantastic thing yeah the polar bear exhibit next to it uh, excuse me the penguin exhibit next to it you'd go through it there were polar bears in the past there are beluga whales all sorts of things and it's done inside a replica of an arctic research base as well um as a well little little things like a old wooden sailing ship frozen into the wreckage, that sort of thing. And before you would get on it, there was a motion simulator ride that could either be a non-motion or a motion one. That's been shut down for a better part of about a year and change now, I think. And what they've done is they've removed that ride from it. And they have used that area as two of the areas are now launch bays for this new coaster. So it's designed to be a thrilling coaster, but yet family friendly. In that you sit astride the cars, which are essentially replicas of a snowmobile, and it will be themed and tied into the Wild Arctic exhibit. And they told us that to give you an idea, there's over 11 miles of cable and electronics in it. And it has a triple launch system, the only one on the West Coast. So that means that you you'll accelerate and go through it, but at two other parts on the. Uh, ride, when you start to slow down, you'll be accelerated and launched again. It doesn't go very high off the ground, but it looked to have a very long track with a lot of twists and turns. They showed us the track. We do have video up on the site. And at the time, because of the rain, there was a bit of a hold on some things, but they said the landscaping and theming is going in. Very soon the ride vehicles will be put on the track and they'll begin testing. And the signage still says they're aiming for spring of 2023 so we'll look forward to seeing that because uh it's interesting our cousin uh, my wife's cousin covered the initial tour and he said it was funny the groundbreaking ceremony it was just a gigantic pile of dirt and now there's this huge track and everything there so lots of stuff to come and we do have video on the site so uh justin let's talk about the first bit of news that came down for me yesterday and At first I was kind of shocked, but then I guess the more I thought about it, I wasn't as shocked. But let me get your take on this. So Disney has decided not to renew Willow for a second season. Um, This is the first of the Lucasfilm properties that has been done under Disney ownership not to get a renewal in terms of, you know, We've had the TV series for Star Wars, but they've run their planned time or will run their planned time. I'm sure we've had movies talked about that didn't come to uh, fruition, but they made a big deal about resurrecting Willow, and it just didn't have the audience, and so they're not going to go ahead with a season two. So what do you make of that?
1: Yeah, so it actually didn't shock me all that much. I I didn't you know I didn't get a chance to catch this this one. Um, and the thing though too is that Willow was always kind of a very niche um, uh, title anyway. So that uh, didn't really shock me that much. That it didn't really generate a whole new audience. Um, I personally I had heard you know different things about it. You know I heard some people really liked it. I heard some people that didn't like it as much. Um, you know it kind of actually reminds me a little bit of um the dark crystal a little bit where the dark crystal uh which i liked the the return um the show that netflix did i thought it was fantastic but the thing too though is i never really expected that to really generate like another season just because the dark crystal as well was a very niche movie to begin with and then um, trying to basically make a sequel to it, it's, uh, it's, it's just a really big uphill battle, so it doesn't shock me a whole lot, um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll try again sometime, um, or, you know, maybe they can, uh, do something more in the, kind of like a comic or, um, you know, an animated route or something like that. Um, it was good that they get, they tried it out, but, uh, you know, some of these are just not going to work, especially if they're very niche.
0: Yeah, and I think that was uh, evident. It was that you had this movie, and I, obviously I don't have the exact runtime, but let's just say for the sake of argument, you have this two-hour movie, and then you decided to run it into this TV series. And I got to think it was probably extremely upsetting because the production values on the show were top-notch. They, you know, went through clearly a lot of trouble to design uh, the look of the world and to really give fans of the series something to really get excited over. But what I heard, and this is kind of the sad thing about it, is that people were saying, well yeah, but it never cracked the top ten in streaming. It just didn't have the audience. And so it it's kind of sad because I could see a situation where, you know, Lucasfilm was purchased by Disney. Obviously, Star Wars was the key piece of that. Obviously, they are looking at Indiana Jones, as we know that's coming up. And I don't want to tip too much of my panel, but we know that they've been pretty clear that this is the last indiana jones film uh but i think they at least have an eye for what the future might hold for it and that's kind of what i'll be discussing next week and recapping with everyone after but again here you are here's this and they're probably sitting there going well what else did we have well there's willow Hmm, i wonder if there'd be an audience for that they're not going to roll out a new film, they decided to do a TV series. And I, I don't know what might happen down the line. I don't know if somewhere down the line they might try to revisit the character and do a movie or something like that, but I think, I would say at this point, I mean, it wasn't expected, uh, the series. And the fact that it did not get the reception that they wanted, i don't think they'll go back for it but that being said let's remember big argument can be said that tron 2 did not get the reception that they expected and lo and behold we still are getting a third one so who knows but you know i also thought about it and said i don't think willow was to this level but it'd be I don't know, just you tell me if I'm off base here. Would it be like John Carter of Mars all of a sudden getting a TV series 20 years, 25 years later?
1: <laughs> I mean, a little bit, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like... Um, I, I guess it might be a little bit different. Like, there, there's this a set of these kinds of movies that are really beloved to a very few amount of people. I mean, I, I don't mean to set sa- for that to sound mean, but I think that's just literally what it is. I think um, there's uh there's a small fan base for these kinds of movies that um came out a long time ago that they're it's very intensely liked by um by just a small amount of people and like that that um those fans will come out and watch the the sequel um but generating a whole new fan base that's a difficult task because if you stray too far from the original then you're going to lose the you know you're going to upset the people that you're, you're that are most important which are you know your core fan base um but it's that that difficult balancing act of how do you how do you attract new people um into the property so yeah but t- to your point i think that is actually a pretty accurate um uh example you know i think if they do end up making a sequel to John carter and mars uh you know someday i think it would be kind of like that
0: the other thing i i wonder and i i think it's pretty much a slam dunk but i think it does have to be said would this have happened if they weren't in a cost saving mode
1: you know oh, i been.
0: Through, yeah Iger, you know we've heard all the options are on the table um you know in terms of selling hulu we've heard um you know Hey, maybe we need to start throttling back on the pace of the, some of these Star Wars and especially the Marvel uh, films. Uh, not so much the films per se, but the you know, we, we've heard the things like maybe some films don't need a third or fourth outing and that certain characters can be unfolded and that the next Avengers will have a new focus of characters. And you know things like that. And you've heard that the TV shows are going to be probably spread out a little more. Uh, things like that, and I do look at that and you know think. A couple of years ago, would they have said, "Oh, well, it's still finding an audience. Let's push it," or it was it just a simple case of you know what, this is too much, and it's it's just not drawing people, and you know, you make a smart business decision. So, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, another thing I wanted to discuss. This came through today, and I I was really really thrilled about this, and it was uh, some news that Atari's been making some interesting moves. So uh, for those that aren't aware, Atari has been doing very well lately with taking some of their classic games and doing, uh, you know, essentially supercharged versions of them. They they don't have cutting-edge graphics or anything like that, but they have updated graphics and gameplay, and they're doing that to some of their classic games. We've had Missile Command, we've had... Uh, several others. Caverns of Mars was a new one that came out the other day. We had the very popular 50th anniversary collection, so on and so forth. And then we've even had a few new original games. There's a very clever one where you go running around in the museum and you have to interact with very a- uh, aspects of the older games, the retro games, while you try to complete a mission. Well, today we got news that um, Atari apparently has acquired... Um, A dozen retro arcade games. Now, this is, of course, will be non Atari uh, arcade games, but this is where it gets really interesting. The list includes the 80s classic Berserk and its sequel Frenzy. And according to the press release, Atari will seek to expand digital and physical distribution of the classic titles, create new games based on the IPs, and explore brand and merchandising. Um, collaborations. Now, they don't mention what the other ten games are, so obviously that'll be coming, and for those who do not remember, the original uh, Berserk did get adapted to the Atari consoles, but it was not an Atari arcade game, and a lot of people, you know, look at this, it mentions here that the original um, Berserk was ported to the Atari 2600 and the Atari 5200, um, so I posted this thing up, I sent it off to some of the news, uh, services, and we're getting a lot of very enthusiastic people posting, you know, this is fantastic, this is great news about these, uh, not so much people asking what the other 10 games were, but what do you make of this, Justin?
1: Yeah, no, I think this is a great thing. I, I'm always, uh, really, um, uh, I'm always really excited to hear, New efforts to bring some some older titles, um, you know, uh, and make them playable again. It's always been a concern of mine that uh, some some titles are kind of like left by the wayside and harder and harder to play as time goes on. Um, So this is always a great thing when you hear that uh, some of these older titles get get the attention that they need.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, for those who don't know, Berserk was a very classic arcade game, and then it was a very simple maze with a stick figure, and you would go into an area, and if you bumped the walls, and that was always the pain, uh, you were instantly electrocuted, and you could fire, uh, it was a top-down look, you could fire in any direction, and the robots would come at you. The biggest trick is there was only one joystick, so you had to literally stop, hit the direction you wanted to shoot, hit the fire button to do it. Um, It's not like um, Robotron and some of the others where you could move and shoot at the same time. But uh, you essentially had to either exit the maze or shoot your way out. But if you took too long and tried to be cute with it, this little bouncy smiley face called Evil Otto would show up, and he could not be destroyed. And if he touched you, it was game over. And, uh, you know, obviously in the sequel, they expanded things like you could uh, ricochet shots off walls, you could, um, you know, shooting auto had a different result but he still didn't die, but you had some clever stuff, so a lot of people uh, really like that, I, you know, I'd love to see what it'd be like with a co-op setting where a couple people could run through it or something like that but who knows, these are all things that are definitely being looked at and so uh, it'll be interesting to see, I'd love to know what the other 10 are, I would really love to know if they're all from the same you know, manufacturer or, or if they are going to be Uh, mix of things, but bottom line is I think we'll find out more. And of course, with things like Summer Game Fest and E3 coming up, I think um, we're definitely going to get a lot of gaming news. Uh, So another thing I wanted to mention was we got a brand new trailer. This is also getting uh, some decent um, traffic today, and it is a um, story trailer for... Uh, Redfall, the upcoming game from Bethesda and from Arcane, and so everyone's really excited about that. And just, we've talked about it, and we've, you know, of course, naturally the comparisons to Left 4 Dead are there, but there were some really interesting things, like it showed how you can kind of cloak your characters, and one of the interesting things was it appears that several of these vampire characters, shooting them is great, but you still have to spike them. And it showed, like, uh, the guns would have a... Um, Goodness gracious, what's a good way of putting it? Um, Well, I guess a spike, a stake uh, through the heart. So that was essentially what you do to these vampires. So it showed like one of them, uh, some of them were like, I'm guessing minions, where they just, you know, blast them away and there you go. But others look like uh, you have to shoot them a bit, get them down, and then hop on them and spike the little buggers. And so that, a lot of people said, you know, I think that's really nice because, just shooting vampires wouldn't work. I mean, you could argue that, well, it's, um, you know, silver bullets, holy water, call it what you will, there are always little angles to get around uh, mythological creatures. But what would you make of that whole uh, nuance to the gameplay?
1: I actually really like that. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's all sorts of games that have, um, you know, vampires in them. But that's usually, like, hand wave the whole, like, some, some of the rules are um, hand wave like, you know, having to kill a vampire with stakes or, um, you know, only with holy water, holy water stakes, sunlight, you know, things like that. Uh, so I think that's a kind of a neat idea. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how, it, uh, how it plays out.
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be interesting. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that, and obviously we've talked about Starfield as well and a lot of people looking at that. Um, now the last thing I wanted to hit up tonight is, uh, we got the last of us, uh, completed season one and season two is coming and now we're getting word that season two is essentially, uh, well, I guess the kind way to put it is you can probably plan a season three because it looks like they're going to split the last of us two into two different seasons. And so what do you make of this, this uh, revelation?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense. Um, I think we had talked previously about, um, you know, the potential for the series and um, like how far do they take it? Cause really, you know, there's two games. They basically did one, the first game as uh, season one. So it stands to reason they could probably do th- the second game as season two, but um, you know, doing a a trilogy of sorts so having a you know uh, a beginning middle and end kind of story arc i think that if they can make that work that um that probably is the the best option um so uh i, I think they had said that they're going to diverge a little bit from from the game and i think that also makes sense you know um if they can convert uh, diverge a little bit from the second game and uh kind of take the story you know basically same story beats but expand it out a little bit i think that would um they would be well served because the, right now they're riding on some good grace it's been getting great reviews uh it's very well liked so um if they're able to stretch it out maybe to, to a season three i think that would uh, serve them well
0: Yeah, and I think what I see it as, uh, if you look at the game, it actually lends itself to it without giving anything away. Let's just say that you play to a certain point and everything comes to a head and you think this is it, this is the conclusion. And then all of a sudden it fades to black and then it jumps back in time and you essentially take over a different character and you start telling in their backstory and essentially filling in things that they were up to while the character you were controlling was doing things in the first part. So essentially you get, here's this character's story and this is where we are. Now we're going to stop, rewind, jump to another character and show you what they were doing completely unrelated at that time with a completely different set of characters. And, you know, but yet at the same time, knowing this is where it's all going to eventually lead up to. So that is going to be the interesting part. And I think they are going to have to be creative with certain things because a big chunk of the second one does jump around in time. I mean, there are several flashbacks and stuff like that. So I know that may be something they have to uh, streamline. And, you know, who knows? We'll see how that plays out and then we hear the news that Naughty Dog's already picked their next game and people are saying, well, it's not The Last of Us um, 3, but then we're hearing reports that they might have this big uh, open-world multiplayer Last of Us game in the works, and people are kind of thinking about the multiplayer that was part of the first game. The second one did not have DLC or any multiplayer to it. So, you know, interesting ideas. I think it's a very tricky time because It's one of those situations where things are very hot and they are very in demand right now. So naturally, you are going to have everybody jumping on board wanting to be part of this. But at the same time, you have to be smart and you have to not do something without having a solid um, plan behind it. So it will be uh, interesting to see how this is going to play out. So lots of news there. And that is going to do it for us tonight, folks. I hope you uh, had a good time uh, this week. I hope everyone's safe, and I appreciate you listening to our shorter uh, show. We just have so much going on and just all the travel fatigue and then right back out again very soon. Um, Also, just a couple of real quick mentions. Elder Scrolls Online Scribes of Fate has launched, so Elder Scrolls uh, fans out there who enjoy that, you definitely want to get your hands in that. And then, of course, if you are a PlayStation uh, VR owner, VR2 owner, I want to uh, mention that there are some really interesting titles out there right now uh, that you can uh, play. And then, of course, uh, you know some people are really excited about the potential of this thing. I am just... I've always enjoyed everything I've had a chance to. One, I'm really, really anxious to get my... Uh, hands-on is called dark pictures switchback and it's made by the folks who did until dawn and it's a uh, rush until dawn Rush of blood and it's a similar concept of fighting uh supernatural creatures and stuff while uh doing the motion ride and that sort of thing so very excited over that and that is going to do it for us folks until next time take care